We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun 2021 Thank you, Poncho Man. My name is Bob Babbitt. This is Breakfast of Bob, not quite Kona edition. We are brought to you by Challenge North America, Hoka One, One Cleto Tri, Amp Human, Velo Fix, Four Seasons, Koala Lai, Form Goggles, You Can, Canyon Bikes, and of course, our Challenge Athletes Foundation. Right before COVID, we sent out 3,921 grants, totaling $5.9 million to Challenge Athletes in the Game of Life through sport. Our next guest, someone we have not had a chance to chat with for a long, long time. She just ran the second fastest marathon for an American woman in history. On December 20th, she ran 220.32. Her name is Sarah Hall. Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much. When I look back at, you know, Ryan got into marathon. Did you ever think that you would be doing that? I always thought I would want to run a marathon or two and try it out, but I didn't really see it being my best event. Um, that definitely surprised me. Yeah. And when I, but I look at your progression, you know, you married the marathon debut in 15, you went 248 at LA and then you go through 31 in Chicago. I just love, how you go 231 then 230, then 228 and 227 and 226 and 222 <laughs> in October and then 220. How hard was it to be patient and not go for all of it at one time, but just understand that it's, it's incremental. If you really want to be great at this, it is incremental. For sure. Yeah. I think um, my first, you know, obviously my first marathon was a bit of an outlier that that could have been 348 by the end of that one, um, the way <laughs> I was running. But, um, but yeah, after that, um, you know, I feel like each one of those marathons early on, like I kind of went out a little faster, a little over my head. What I ran what I thought I could handle, but really the marathon is so much about not just the cardiovascular fitness, but the pounding on the legs. Yes. And I feel like coming from the track, that took me a long time to get my legs durable enough to be able to run that second half at the same pace. And so, um, so yeah, I think, um, but definitely it, it was definitely encouraging having those incremental gains. And I think that just gets really addicting where, you're improving and it's, uh, you just want to keep improving. You want to keep seeing how far you can take it. And so, so yeah, I, I, I'm really kind of shocked. I've been able to keep improving at 37, but, but definitely um, plan to keep getting faster if I can. So 2000, 2016 Olympic marathon trials, you DNF there. And sometimes when you have those type of days, you maybe learn more from those than you do from some of the great races. What did you take away from that experience? Yeah, the biggest takeaway there, I mean, unfortunately, the two times I've run the marathon trials, it was like the most extreme situation. So in yeah, so 2016, hot. 2016, yeah, we had the extreme heat. And that definitely has been a weakness of mine. Um, and so I, I got cramps out there um, in, on, in the race, which I actually got in my very first marathon, also in LA, also really hot. So I think the moral of the story is don't race in a marathon in LA. <laughs> but um, at least for me. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, that was the biggest takeaway that buildup had actually gone really well. And so that's what prompted me to try to turn it around 13 days later and run rolled cross country, um, after my first marathon. 
and and then I ended up having my best performance ever at a world cross 19th and and so similar to that um after the trials I was like you know what I've built all this fitness and it's still in me um and so I I just kind of regrouped and I ended up running the London Marathon uh in April after that and that showed me kind of what what my fitness really was um without a really extreme day so when you go to London and you have a sprint finish and 222 and you look so amazing, did you think at that point, okay, I think in two months I can run another one of these? I mean, that, that, for most people, that would be pretty crazy. And I'm going to go faster than I've ever gone before. Yeah, you know, I think because of that very first marathon, deciding to kind of regroup 13 days later and, and do World Cross, that kind of opened my mind to the marathon not needing to be like a hard stop necessarily. Mm. Like sometimes you want it to be right. Like you've had a really long year of training and you need that break. But, but sometimes uh, for me, I've gone into marathons off a short buildup after injury. And like, I don't want to take another break. I just took time off for the injury. And so it's kind of allowed me to regroup actually after quite a few of my marathons. And I've just, I've each buildup kind of experimented with how to recover better than Um, how much you need to, um, you know, obviously I didn't need to do like an entire new marathon buildup. I just, I had all that in me still uh, from the London buildup, but 11 weeks was enough time for me to recover, kind of go backwards a little bit and then try to make some gains. And, and I felt like I was able to do that. um, I think before the marathon project. So, so yeah, I think I've taken a lot of risks doing that in the past. So it was kind of usual for me, actually, it was a little more time than I've I've had in the past when I've done that, but, um, but definitely worth it. I think if anything, 2020 taught us is like, you want to take advantage of any for sure opportunity you have, especially at 37, like, I don't know when my next marathon is going to be, you know? And so knowing that this one was going to for sure happen, I was like, I can't pass up this opportunity. So if someone had told you, okay, you just won footlocker, the year is 2000 and in 20 years, you're still going to be doing running at an elite level. I'm guessing you would have been a little surprised. Yeah, very surprised. Um, you know, as, as a kid, I dreamed of the Olympics like most kids. But as I got older, um, I actually, I didn't really dream about being a professional athlete for a really long period. Like I, I really am passionate about um, justice in developing countries and bringing um, help to people living in extreme poverty. And, and so I always thought I would do that right out of college, um, just move over to like East Africa and start working over there. Um, and you know, it was really just through prayer. I felt like God was saying like, you can do more through your running than you can with your own two hands if you were over there doing it. And that's really come to be the case. You know, Ryan and I started the Hall Steps Foundation in 2009. And, and since then we've been able to do a number of projects to help people, especially now focused on Ethiopia, where my kids are from. And so, um, so that's still the goal to do that stuff in a hands-on way. I would have never thought here we'd be 15 and a half years later running professionally that whole time um that I'd still be doing it but I'm enjoying it the most I ever have and I want to keep keep going with it for now I think the balance is so so important the fact that you because I what what we what athletes like yourself do for a living is can be very selfish right you you run and you look at your monitor and you 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 log your miles but when you have a balance where you you have a cause and you understand that the more attention I can get for my cause through my running, that's a positive. There's a reason to keep doing this. 
yeah, you understand that with the Challenge Athlete Foundation too. And um, I think, yeah, for sure. Having purpose in your running is huge. I think that's one thing I kind of struggled with early on in my career was that selfishness when really what I wanted to do was, was something really selfless as a career. But, um, but increasingly I've been able to see that positive impact on other people, um, both here in the U S and then also obviously these people that are benefiting from our charities projects. And then now with kids, like you're able to see so many of the character things you want to instill in your kids. Like I get to model those to my kids day in and day out and you see how that impacts them in real time. And so that's kind of added another layer of meaning to my, my running and helped me feel like, yeah, there's a lot of time focused on myself, but also you're getting to make positive impacts too. So you guys start the Hall Steps Foundation in 09 and creating an instant family where all of a sudden you've got Hannah and Mia and Jasmine and Lily, you got four girls from the same family all at once. How hard was that from going, hey, we're a couple, now we're parents with four kids? Yeah, it was difficult. Um, you know, I I had talked to a lot of families who had adopted older kids from Ethiopia, and it was really life-altering. Um, you know, they were like, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to keep competing. You know, we had a very hard adjustment just because uh, these kids have been through really traumatic things and, like, walking that out with them, as well as the fact that, you know, our kids had never been to school they didn't know any English and like so my older teenagers were starting school for the first time like in high school having never been to school and and so I was definitely ready for it to be like the end of life as we know it and you know Ryan was at a different stage in his career he was winding down and so he was okay with that but for me like I was just starting on the roads and really enjoying the marathon for the first time I ran Chicago marathon which was my second marathon like the week after the girls came home and so um, I was definitely not ready to be done, but I thought I was willing to, if, if they needed that from me. But, um, but thankfully, our kids just adjusted really miraculously, and, and um, they're really supportive of my career and have, have allowed me to keep competing and stuff. And it's, it's challenging. I mean, I know what it's like to be really dialed in doing this career as, like, as someone without kids, as, as we did for so long. Um, yeah. And it's hard to to think about that in my old life and like and my competitors are, are living that way, you know, and that's who you're up against. But I think I just, I try to just focus on the fact that I've been able to improve every year since being a mom. And so it's not ideal for sure for athletics, but it's, it's working for now. And um, I, I feel really grateful that my kids are so, so excited about my career too. Are your kids running? We do have a couple of runners and um, they all, the jeans like they all have beautiful strides and uh, our oldest is actually on scholarship at Grand Canyon University uh her freshman year yeah yeah and then uh she was a two-time state champion and then our second uh daughter Mia just won state in cross country this fall and she's just a sophomore in high school but she's looking really strong as well um and then our younger two are not that interested in in cross country although Jasmine did run a couple low key seasons across country was undefeated. And so uh, she's kind of dabbling right now as, as you should as a seventh grader, but uh, we'll see where, where she ends up. <laughs> now, and, and now are you still coached primarily by Ryan? I am. Yeah. Ryan's been coaching me pretty much since he retired and that's been great. You know, you want your coach to know everything about you. Like, and he sees how I eat and sleep and 
he knows how what makes me tick and so yeah that's been working out yeah you know it's interesting i with ryan just seeing you know from 2007 to 2011 he ran like nine or ten marathons all between 204 58 and 212 and i was like that is a lot of high performance over a short period of time and a lot of times a coach can either sort of follow in their own footsteps or they look at maybe some mistakes they might've made and they become better because of it. Uh, mm -hmm. um, it looks like that Ryan is understanding that just by the gradual nature of your improvement that, uh, that, that he's learned from his own career. Yeah, we've definitely had very opposite careers. Um, you know, Ryan had immediate success in the marathon. Um, yes. Just knocking it out of the park. And, and for me, it's taken years and years of really incremental success. And I think part of that is we're wired really differently. For me, the fast twitch, I, I'm more genetically fast twitch. And yep. um, building that endurance has taken a long time, whereas that was more natural to him. But yeah, for sure, he, um, he definitely... Uh, learn from his career a lot of things that he implements into my training keeping that 10k speed close is one of them not getting too lean uh, which really affected the end of his career as well um a lot of little lessons like that that we uh, i feel grateful to have learned from his mistakes <laughs> exactly so london marathon that was one of the more exciting races to watch everybody's watching online there weren't there had not been very many races all year how special was that for you Oh, it was huge. I mean, it's the highlight of my career so far and just so meaningful having it come on the heels of the greatest disappointment in my career, not making the Olympic marathon team and, yep. and then going straight into a pandemic where you can't just regroup and start training for the track trials or run other races and use all that fitness you've, you've gained in the, the marathon buildup. It was like nothing. And you're just self-motivating for months on end, not knowing if you're ever going to have that opportunity and so to have the opportunity and just as I approached the race like I just felt like oh man it'd be so incredible to have an inspiring race out here and mm -hmm. give people a boost at this time when people could really use it like everyone's struggling with motivation and um it's it's just a difficult time for everyone and so to have the opportunity to have that all come together to have the race of my life to get to finish in a really exciting manner it was it was just everything I could have hoped for besides winning the race really which which was going to be tough with Bridget Koskai and their uh, 214 yeah. world record holder so uh, so yeah just so grateful one of our one of our long uh, one of our sponsors is you can and I've been okay. outing you can for forever and ever there's a great product even uh, it seems like uh, it, people who use it especially the triathlon guys have found the success of Later in the event, they seem like they still have their strength. And when I look at what you've done the last couple of races, have you, has that helped you? For sure. Yeah. I've started using you can midway through my marathon career and definitely, you know, run faster in the second half of, of the, my marathons. And, um, I think for me as a human biology major, I really resonated with the, um, scientific nature of the product, how it's a slow releasing carbohydrate and, how you don't want to spike your insulin levels at different times. And I think that's something where um, I really try to like use nutrition and use these tools the best you can to, to optimize your performance. And so I was actually introduced to it by Meb, who is my neighbor up in Mammoth Lakes. And so I feel really grateful that he introduced me to it way back then. And um, yeah, excited to be a part of the team. So if the world comes back to normal and we have an Olympics, will you be going to the trials and running the track? 
I will. I just signed up for my first track race today, which is kind of surreal. Um, I haven't raced on the track in, it'll be five years in June, July. It was the last track trials that I really probably even ran in spikes. And so um, wow. it's, it's a bit of a long shot, but um, you know what, honestly, the strength I built in those last five years, like I'm a totally different athlete than I was last time I was racing track. Like the marathons made me really strong, even in my shorter event stuff. And so I'm excited to see what I can do. Hopefully I'll be, be in the mix and, and give it my best shot out there. How have you had to change and adapt to, yeah, besides being a mom of four, but you're, as you age, sometimes your workouts have to change. You, you don't have, your body doesn't quite recover as quickly. What have you, how have you adapted to being a, we'll say more mature runner? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I haven't really felt anything negatively about my age as far as my body yet. Yeah. Um, I would say the one difference is like my metabolism isn't quite as voracious as it was like in my twenties. <laughs> so I, I have to like dial in my nutrition a little bit more like and not eat as much junk as maybe I could get away with then. But, um, but besides that, I haven't really noticed, like, I feel like my body's actually handling the training better than it ever has now. Um, I think some of that, um, you know, Asics has come out with some great shoes and I feel like the extra cushion has really helped me absorb all the 130 mile weeks when I'm out there. Um, and so, yeah, I haven't really needed to build an extra recovery yet. I think I'm maybe a bit of a late bloomer, but we'll see as, as the years tick by. But now I know Ryan has become Mr. Weightlifter. Have you gotten more into weights uh, in terms of adding to your training? Yeah, not as much because of Ryan and his passion, you know, we, it turns uh, up in Mammoth Lakes, like he was really into the weight room. And, and um, at the time, I wasn't really responding that well to it up there. But um, that's definitely been something over the years, I've, I've added more in as, as my legs have just been in a better place, to be able to handle that. Um, and now that's a big part of my career, especially I had a really serious knee injury, ironically, in Kona, in 2012. Um, and really? I on, yeah, I tripped on a lava rock, and I, uh, or I, on a pipe that was sticking out of the ground and sliced my knee on a lava rock and it br cut through my quad tendon and broke my kneecap. Oh my and, God. uh, yeah, it's taken me a really long time to get strength back in that leg and get my stride symmetrical again. And so actually that the weight room has been really important to that. And I've noticed a big difference just each year I can get my stride back. That's helped my marathons for sure. So December 20th, 2020. Uh, Dina Castor's record is 219.36 and you're less than a minute behind. You're running with pacers. That's a different type of game, right? How, how difficult is that running with pacers and trying to figure out exactly what to do running laps. That's a, it's a different race. Yeah, it's different than real racing. Um, I really hope we can get back to real racing with crowds and like actual course soon, you know, yeah. would have been, a lot more exciting to do that out on the streets of like Chicago for sure. But, um, but, but yeah, I feel, I mean, on the other hand, we had really amazing weather. The Pacers did an amazing job. That was so ideal to be able to have a scenario like that. Uh, it was a great course. And so, so yeah, there were a lot of um, great things about the race. I feel so grateful to Josh Cox and um, for putting on the marathon project going with Ben Rosario. And um, so, so yeah, you know, I definitely, I'm hoping this fall we'll have some real races and it'll be fun at some point to get to chase that time, time again. But I feel proud of my effort that day. It was, 
it was definitely everything I had on the day. Um, but, uh, but I'd like to be able to keep improving on that time as we go. <laughs> so how challenging has it been for your charity in terms of the charities have been hit hard, obviously by COVID, uh, not being able to put on events and things like that. Uh, with Hall Steps, how has that affected what you guys are trying to do? Uh, yeah, it hasn't that, like, you know, some of our biggest fundraisers are like the Boston Marathon and, um, you know, that got canceled, unfortunately, and also they're leery to schedule a date now. And so, so that is hard. Um, we, we weren't doing as many in-person events outside of the races so that um, we weren't as affected, but, um, but still I was able to do a great fundraiser through the London Marathon and we raised um, money to start a, a girl's home in Addis Ababa because there's over 60,000 youth living on the streets just in the capital city of, of Ethiopia alone. Wow. And so um, those kids are really vulnerable to a number of things out on the streets. And, and so this home specifically for girls. And obviously that's a cause really close to my heart because that could have been my kids. Like Absolutely. they could have been homeless. Um, you know, they closed adoption soon after we finished the process. And so, so yeah, so um, all in all, um, I'm thankful that people were, were so supportive of that fundraiser and, and we, we're just continuing to do what we can for sure. What I love about, you know, being involved with the stuff we do is, you know, you see lives changed. I had a, a mom walked up to me, you'll love this at the Paralympics down in Rio. A mom came up to me at the lobby and she goes, you probably don't remember this, but my son Desmond, um, received his running leg from you guys 10 years ago. And tomorrow he's running the finals of the 200 meters on the track. You know, those are the uh, moments that mean so much, right? And I'm sure you have some of those moments where, you know, you see besides your own daughters, where you've seen change that probably would not have happened if it wasn't for you guys. Any specific moments that mean a lot to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really impactful to go to the hospital we built in Kenya, along with um, Wesley Career, who's Boston Marathon champion. We, uh, we built that in his hometown because his brother died of a, a snake bite really tragically, mm. but that could have been easily prevented if they had had something close. And, um, and so getting to go there and, and meet all the people in the community that just profusely thanked us for, for bringing that to the community, it really does hit home. You know, sometimes when we're over here halfway around the world, you're kind of detached from the impact sometimes. And so that's what's, it's been really special to spend more and more time, especially over in Ethiopia. I've, I've just fallen in love with training over there, but then it's also kept that, um, that connection to the cause really alive. And it, it makes me more inspired to do more to fundraise, to, to um, be an advocate for this cause when you're seeing it um, firsthand more often. Have your daughters been back? since they were adopted? Yeah, we went back uh, one Christmas break and a, an entire summer. So um, that was really awesome. We, we actually thought about going this winter, but with COVID, we, we decided to postpone it. Um, but we're really hoping to get back there for a really long period of a couple months as soon as we can. Love it. Hey, Sarah, thanks for taking time. I, and I, I love what you guys are doing. I remember, I think we did a cover shoot with you and Ryan just when you were launching uh, right. Uh, yes. For competitor magazine back in 09. This one that yes. was, and it was like <laughs> at that point, it was just an idea uh, that you were ho hoping would catch on and, and look at that. So 11 years later and, and everything you've done now, talk a little bit about how, how many, uh, you built a hospital. Uh, what besides building, I bet 
that's amazing in itself. How many people do you think you've impacted with, with what you guys have done so far? Oh, I don't know. I've never really added that up. I know that even before we started the Health Tips Foundation, we were bringing, helping bring clean water with World Vision. And I know they, they estimated that at over a million people bringing clean water at one point, which wow. was pretty incredible. And they're still, Team World Vision is still doing awesome stuff with that. Um, and yeah, we, um, one thing we're doing a lot is micro lending to um, especially female um, business owners. So it helps mm -hmm. them be able to start a small business to provide for their own family and bring in an income. And then and they repay the loan and that gets paid to someone else so they can start a business. So it's not even a handout. It's like just a hand up to be able to have the seed money to provide for their own family and give them the dignity to do that. And so, um, yeah, I've never really counted it up, but um, I'll have to do that sometime. <laughs> you guys are changing lives every day. There's nothing better than that. Congratulations Thanks. on everything you're doing. Give my best to Ryan, and thanks so much for, for taking time. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Sarah Hall's been our guest, everybody. Again, Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. We will catch you next time. See ya. Mm -hmm.